In just one generation, the internet connected people across the globe. And now, slow news days are a thing of the past. It's a lot to keep track of, but WHIP has you covered with local, national, and international stories. Join us for a rational look at a complex world. This is Rational Radio on WHIP. Indeed, this is Rational Radio on WHIP, and I'm Tony. Not usually on Wednesdays anymore. But it's extenuating circumstances. It is extenuating circumstances. There was uh, there was an election, <laughs> apparently. So I've been told there was one yesterday. I've, yeah. I uh, I think I voted in it, but like who 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 even knows what's uh, what's what's real anymore? I you know did I vote in the. I don't know. It was a crappy intro. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah, that was dwindling. That was dwindling. Yeah, you know, it was. Yeah. I was waiting for the punchline. No, say the, no the, punchline the, the punchline was I, I didn't have a punchline. Sorry. You know, sometimes sometimes you got them, sometimes you don't. It's just uh, happens. Know, life, life's a struggle sometimes. Ugh, true. So I, I assume, like, I, I don't know who all's eligibility is what, but we're you all able to vote if you could yes yes, yes. yes. i voted you want to go yeah i, mean, I <laughs> voted vote? oh you yeah. voted okay end of story uh i did a write-in ballot this is actually one of the most friendly states for write-in ballots mm-hmm. um so i i took that route i voted in lehigh county which is where i'm from and uh yeah that's what i did good stuff yeah i did an absentee ballot voted in cumberland county where i'm from I voted in Philly. <laughs> nice. Cool. Good to see everybody exercising their constitutional right to vote. Yeah. Or rather, privilege. It is a privilege, I suppose. Not everybody can vote. That's Good true. Point. Very true. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. I know turnout was ridiculous across the country, I heard. It was like some presidential election tier voter turnout that's really good i think it's good to see more people uh concerned about the midterms because they are yeah. you know historically they've been sort of uninteresting because people only really care about you know the presidency but they are very important and these midterms especially um were kind of a make or break it uh for the democratic party yeah, yeah. um and i would argue for the country we were in not to just immediately get partisan but like we were heading down a road of of unilateral control by like one party, and that, in my opinion, is just not really healthy ever. Right for a country. Yeah, um, no, it's it's good to, that the uh, there's some diversity on uh, Capitol Hill now with the Democrats winning the House. So leads yes. a lot of a lot of stuff for indeed for yeah. the coming years. Spoiler. Spoiler, yeah, that's coming up in, the, I think, the second talk break. Yeah. But up in this first one, we've got some uh, very interesting news. I'm sure all of, all of our Pennsylvania listeners are aware of uh, the results of the governor race and the uh, senatorial election. But uh, you want to start with the, the, the um, governor? Yeah, we can, we can start with the governor. So, drumroll, please. Tom Wolf. Uh, the Democratic uh, candidate beat Scott Wagner 57.6% to 40.8%. That is what's known in electoral parlance as a blowout. Yeah, that victory. wasn't small. Um, yeah, that was uh, kind of a wash. Um, 
but that wasn't the race really wasn't up in the air mm-hmm. um people all the political commentators pretty much knew that wolf would be securing the uh, governor's seat um and that was you know even before you know uh they got back the preliminary polls if you just look at how the the differences in the management of the campaigns uh wolf's campaign i think personally was a little bit more uh tightly managed than um wagner's um he had a really cohesive strategy of just focusing on his own achievements it was a very uh almost you know uh shockingly positive campaign especially in today's political climate with a lot of like negative attack ads and stuff everywhere but he was very focused on his own achievements rather than making negative attacks against wagner any attacks that he did make against wagner were in uh pretty general terms and even when wagner kind of opened himself up to like obvious you know blows that that uh wolf could do um his his campaign was pretty reticent regarding any sort of uh, uh, attack ads, you know, kind of criticizing them like that, which I thought was uh, interesting. I'm glad, to be completely honest. I I saw that a a lot, at least in a lot of the, um, in some of the the elections that I was watching. There were a few local elections here in PA I was watching, just because I know folks who live around the uh, state. Um, And at, at least here, a lot of the people who were espousing the kind of rhetoric that we've heard recently that's very much nothing to do with what they're going to do and everything to do with why you need to be afraid of the other person. I I didn't see that net very many victories. Mm. Um, funny enough, there was, um, there was one Republican candidate I was actually rooting for um, on the other side of the, uh, of the state who... One of the reasons why is that their their opponent was very much doing that. I didn't really know what they stood for because the entire time they were trying to characterize this person, who I'm, I'm not going to label them because they're still a, a thing, but um, they were trying to characterize them as being very extreme when I knew this person to be actually a rarely moderate Republican. Um, they could probably, they could honestly probably run on either ticket if they really wanted to. Um, and it was successful for them. Granted, this was the state legislature, not the, um, not for the House of Representatives. Right, not national yes. politics. Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, that's 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 how uh, Wolf ran his campaign. Um, there was, I think, a big disconnect, and uh, CNN spoke about this a little bit. Or no, I'm sorry, it wasn't CNN. It was uh, the Morning Call, my hometown newspaper. Uh, they kind of talked about the differences in the. Uh, the way that they ran the campaigns and and Scott Wagner's, um, there, I think there was a like a big disconnect between the candidate and the campaign. Um, he ran on um, a couple of issues that didn't necessarily align with him as a candidate. Mm-hmm. Like he he tried to be um, a pro education candidate, but at the same time he also tried to say that he was going to abolish the school tax. Which, you know, a, a lot of people are for abolishing that because they think, oh, well, I don't have kids. Why should I be paying for school? But, you know, you can't really balance those two things on the same, you know, ticket, you know. Like on a, yeah. yeah. He, he also didn't really explain how he was going to get rid of the school tax, like where that money was going to be made up. So, you know, there were, there were kind of like a little bit of inconsistencies in his campaign. Um, he also famously said that he would uh, 
stomp on uh, Wolf's face with golf cleats. Oh yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, that was real stupid. That was yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was pretty dumb. I don't know why you'd say that. Yeah, it's I mean, this is a civilized society. You can't just <laughs> do that. We claim to be. We claim to be. You know, but. But yeah, um, I think that this was uh, partially a manifestation of uh, perhaps the changing political tides in the mm-hmm. state. Uh, you know, Pennsylvania is a pretty big battleground state, but I Very also, purple. I also, th- yes, purple. That's a good word to describe it. But I also think that this is kind of a uh, textbook example of uh, how how to run a campaign versus how to not run a campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, how to control your candidate versus how to let him kind of run free, uh, do the Trump approach, which historically typically doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I mean, except for Trump. except for <laughs> yes, well, it, well, except for the man who made it. It's out. kind of it, like it's, it's a very when you build your campaign around the person, like we, we've got a name for that. It's a populist campaign, mm-hmm. and that kind of rhetoric works very very well for people who. You know, I feel like this terminology is kind of demeaning, but I can't think of any other way. For people who drink the Kool-Aid about one specific person, for people who, like, really, who, like, fall in love with the person and not so much the campaign or the policies or the the stances, like, that kind of rhetoric works. But if your concern isn't the person, but rather what they're going to do, like, yeah, you've got to have a solid campaign. And if, if you are going very heavy on the person... And that person spends more time, you know, saying things that are very soundbiteable, saying he's going to, you know, cleat someone's face. <laughs> That's like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like if you're if you're tuned into to, to um, policy issues and stuff like that, it's 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 hard to get behind someone like that when their opponent is very organized with their with their beliefs, with their goals. Oh, absolutely. Um, is maintaining civility. Yeah. Yeah, so that was the that was the governor's race. We got a Democratic governor now. Mm. Well, Democrat governor. Well, still, yeah, we had, we had tumble prior. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. So we've reta- retained him. Yeah. but um, we've also here. we've also retained. Uh, looking at the Senate, we've also retained Casey over mm-hmm. uh, the challenger Barletta. Uh, that was fifty five point six percent to forty two point eight. Um, I honestly expected this race to be a little bit closer yeah. if if for no other reason that, um, you know, President Trump did two rallies in Pennsylvania supporting Barletta. Mm-hmm. And also recently, uh, Vice President uh, Pence came to Philadelphia, actually, and had a fundraiser uh, for his campaign. Mm-hmm. But um, apparently that was not uh, that was not enough to overcome the name recognition of uh, Senator Casey. Um, I personally think that uh, Casey's the man for the job. I mm-hmm. think that Barlett. I, I take issue with uh, Barletta's history as the mayor of Hazleton. Um, there, yeah. he, he did some pretty. He has some pretty uh, irrational views on immigrants. I think famously, if 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 our listeners don't remember this, he uh, while he was the mayor of Hazleton, he uh, passed some anti-immigration legislation. Uh, basically making it harder for uh, illegal immigrants to find employment or rent a house. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was later found to be unconstitutional for interfering with due process. So regardless of you know his intentions to 
enact that legislation kind of fell flat. And that was a pretty expensive mistake because Hazleton then had to pay the ACLU legal fees. I think it was upwards of like $1.2 million. Oh, yeah. And at that point, Hazleton was already $6 million in debt. That's an expensive oops. Yeah. <laughs> so he kind of gambled on that, and he lost. And I, so. and I, I do want to point out that that is an oops. Like, if you're making laws, it's not – and I, I'm going to say it, it's it's not hard to develop legislation that doesn't infringe on people's constitutional rights. Like, it's <sighs> – Yeah, but when what you want to do is – infringe on people's constitutional rights it's really difficult to make legislation that you like so <laughs> well, well uh, there you go if for no other reason than because of like that history of mismanagement that barletta has sort of built for himself i'm kind of happy that um that casey uh remained in his position um i i really didn't understand why barletta was the candidate that the republicans uh decided to like put there to kick Casey out, yeah, uh, kind of, <clears throat> kind of weak. Maybe they liked his past uh, immigration policies. Or Maybe something like that you know, in this, especially because uh, how big of an issue that immigration is, having someone that's a lot more extreme uh, for them to just count on that that's always going to be a yes vote. I mean, that is for the issue they want to pass. That that's is the true. issue that they're pushing really hard right now, publicly. Um, Honestly, in a lot of the context that's been pushed recently, especially with um, like the migrant caravan and stuff like that, I really feel it's a it's a farce. The issue that they're making it out to be is like I I I, I don't know. Like it, it's, it's they're definitely not coming to invade the United States. That's what I mean. Like it's it's being sold as a literal invasion when it is like it's, it's asylum it's, seekers. I would say like it's, it's asylum seekers and like. Even like yeah, I'm sure there are criminals a, a, among them, but like that's that's because it's there's a couple thousand people. Like that's statistically that's going to happen. Also, they're fleeing violence. Um, they're not an army. Like, I yeah, I that that, we, that could fill up three talk breaks. I was going to say <laughs> we can talk about that on the other side of this talk break because it really it's been it, it would be one thing if they were just like oh you know we got to there, there's got to be law and order around this like you know we got to we got to send. You know, an, an additional military presence to deal with an unexpected influx of a few thousand people. Like, if that were the message, kind of like, if that's where it began and ended, I would be like, oh, okay, well, that's at least, that at least sounds reasonable. But no, it's been presented as a literal invasion, which just doesn't. It's inaccurate. Yeah, like, that's not really true. But we'll talk about it more on the other side of this talk break. Y'all are listening to Rational Radio here on WHIP this marvelous Wednesday after the election where we talk about our reactions to said election. Stick around for more on the other side of this break. From WHIP News, I'm Brian Coughlin. Today is Wednesday, November 7th, and this is your WHIP News Update. The 2018 midterm election brought millions of voters to the polls yesterday on Tuesday, November 6th. The Washington Post reported results this morning, stating that the Republican Party remained control of the Senate, while the Democratic Party had a victory in the House of Representatives. CNN reported on the comments of Representative Elijah Cummings, who is said to be the chairman of the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee for the Democratic Majority. He highlighted accountability, protection of democracy, and focus on day-to-day -day issues for 
Americans as objectives moving forward. The aerospace corporation SpaceX, pioneered by CEO Elon Musk, is currently seeking a $750 million leverage loan for financing. According to Bloomberg, Bank of America Merrill Lynch is leading the transaction despite rumors of involvement from Goldman Sachs as an arranger. Despite a history of risky behavior and investment returns from Musk, a presentation is scheduled for today, November 7th, on the future of this deal. The fate of financing for the space travel company is yet to be determined. From WHIP News, I'm Brian Coughlin, and this has been your WHIP News Update. Welcome back to Rational Radio on WHIP. We're Philly's number one college radio station. And on this Wednesday episode of Rational Radio, we are all talking about the midterms, which happened yesterday. I'm joined today. Well, I'm Tony. I'm joined today by Julius, Evan, and Alicia. Hi. Thank you all for coming here as you're supposed to. (laughs) No no worries. You're welcome. Uh, So, God, what were we what were we talking about before the break? It was we the were state? talking about the caravan. Oh yes. yeah, actually, yeah. are we going to continue with that? The invasion. Oh uh, yeah, the invasion. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's that's what we were talking about. Is the really weird way that's been characterized because it's generally like it's genuinely just a group of a couple thousand people that are seeking asylum, essentially. And I mean, there are arguments to be made about how that situation should be managed. Um. And yes, they are receiving aid from non-governmental organizations, NGOs that are like totally funded by partisan people, but that's kind of irrelevant because they're fleeing very real violence. And it's been sold, especially in that ad um, that was aired, oh, it was during one of the football games and also it was briefly on um, Fox and Facebook. And even Fox pulled it. it. This This migrant caravan has been sold to... The American public, especially folks on the right, as like a literal invasion, they've been calling it. And that is just flat out not what it is. Um like I mean, let me let me look up the the Webster definition of an invasion. Invasion, you know, <laughs> it, it kind of implies right. that they are yeah. armed. You say it's an invasion it's an instance of invading oh, why do you use the word invade in the yeah, that's that. that's poor form. But anyway, of invading a country <laughs> or region with an armed force. Um, I mean, like, I, I right. guess this goes back to inciting fear. Um, and actually, at a press conference today, um, one of the CNN reporters—let me check his name—Jim mm-hmm. Acosta. He asked Trump whether that specific ad where um, Latin Americans were scaling the wall, calling an invasion, was demonizing immigrants. And Trump responded that Acosta was rude, and so that. <laughs> He Wait. hates Jim. He hates Jim Acosta. And like, there's then, so many clips of him just getting yelled at by Trump. Um, what he also said that the way reporters treated um, White House press secretary Sarah Huckabee was horrible. And then he added, "When you report fake news, you're the enemy of the people." Okay, so he didn't well, answer the question, right? Just, I mean, Trump calling anybody rude is my my head's doing like that's, like that's recursion. It's like it doesn't make any sense. I thought that was quite comical. Yeah, kind of ironic. But yeah. um, this obviously is not an invasion of the United States. This is not people coming to, they're not coming with guns. They're not coming to occupy any territory. They're people who need to seek refuge. Yeah. You know? And I, I don't I don't know why there's a partisan spin on this. Yeah. Like you there can, shouldn't be. If you say, like, you can no. argue about how best to handle this situation about how, like, you know, best to 
prepare for again like it is an influx of a couple thousand people like yeah that's that's not standard operation um and it makes sense taking extra measures whatever those are even if it means calling in the national guard i like i don't i don't know i'm not an expert with these things but like that could make sense but you don't you don't have to sow fear and hatred and characterize people as an invading criminal force yeah to have that dialogue in fact that dialogue in my opinion is kind of overtly racist and uh and like i like i, I don't know i'm i'm not used to seeing stuff this overtly hostile in our in our dialogue it's kind of nasty yeah i think that the um definite like the demonizing of the uh caravan of people seeking refuge just like immigration has been a huge thing uh for trump since day one building a wall making sure that you know there's no more illegal immigrants and he definitely spins that these are people that are just using refuge as an excuse to get into the into the united states and then destroy our country from the inside out and that's and that's just like, stuff people are going to eat up especially like his that, diehard supporters like that, and that's the thing though is that that carries so many assumptions with it that that there's organization among these groups towards that goal that they are actively hostile to the country like to the country like there's no you, it's it's crazy because they're not coming here with like um malevolent intent they're coming to the united states because they're fleeing a civil war and there's no civil war in the united states all right yeah the <laughs> reasons why they're like like i mean it's so to me it's obvious but like the reason a big reason why they're not going to stop in mexico is because like there's a lot of violence there are parts of mexico that aren't controlled by the government like flat out yeah yeah like entire swaths of territory that are just unsafe and that kind of you know extends all the way through central america the, you know the united states is considered this safe place for refugees because it quite literally is a safe place there's not like mass violence going on mm -hmm. you know on a very organized level so to to revile people who are running from a war zone an actual honest to god war zone mm -hmm. you know i i don't i don't Doesn't understand it yeah. and again it would be i would feel totally differently i would still i would still probably disagree but i would feel totally differently if the dialogue were about what to do and how to handle the situation but again, it, it's it's not. It's been at least the majority that I've seen, especially like I said with that with that commercial, has just been very much about about just labeling this group as not only the other but as a very hostile other force. Um, and that's just again, like it kind of rings as overtly racist to me. Um, and I'm like a like I'm, I'm just a straight up like white dude if it sounds racist to me like I, oh no we, we have an issue oh no <laughs> uh identity sigh deep sigh yeah deep sigh yeah that's deep, deep, deep. Yeah, that's all we got for today uh no, no actually, there's, unfortunately uh, there's much more um oh, isn't there oh god where should we even go from uh here? well we've got some breaking news yeah i guess we should i guess we should talk about this one yeah so, um sessions about an hour ago Jeffrey, oh. Jeffrey Sessions, he resigned uh, at the behest of Trump. He was so, basically quote unquote. So he resigned. was he was fired. Y yeah, yeah, he <laughs> was he was fired, and Trump Trump's been angry at him ever since he recused himself. Which is know. another silly thing. Like, we'll get into this in a minute, but <laughs> yeah. Um, so, the, I mean, 
everybody knows that uh, Sessions recused himself regarding the uh, Mueller investigation, which basically means that his hands were off of it. He couldn't really... Uh, normally, the attorney general would be able to read the report and then decide whether or not it's, you know, that report could be made public or that report could make it to uh, Congress. Um, Sessions, uh, I believe he he didn't disclose some some. It was so he recused himself for for two reasons. Broadly, um, it was because of his active role in Trump's 2016 campaign, which is the target of this investigation. And the way recusal works, by the way, it's it's actually a very important part of our of our legal system. It's something judges do often, um, and it's something that even happens on a local level. Like if you are accused of a crime or something like that, and you know the judge who's going to be presiding over that case, and let's say the judge doesn't like you, or even let's say they do, either way you have an existing relationship, they would be expected to recuse themselves. Similarly, because Sessions is a part of the organization that was being investigated here um, and being investigated by the branch of the government that he, or I should say the, the, the agency or inst- institution of the government that was, um, that was doing this investigation, it represents a conflict of information. And that's all recusal is. It's when you take yourself out of a legal proceeding or situation or investigation or whatever else because there's a conflict of interest and your involvement is not necessarily moral or may threaten the legitimacy of that of that thing. And to be completely honest, like there's no way in which Sessions could have stayed a part of that investigation um, ethically. Like he, for all intents and purposes, he had to recuse himself, which is why all the flack he's gotten for it um, doesn't doesn't really make sense. No. Yeah, well now he's gone, so <laughs> the the new acting attorney general, who was uh, Sessions' chief of staff, uh, previously, do we have a name for that individual? He is. It was something with a with a do- oh yeah, uh, Whitaker. I'm trying to find Whitaker, his first yes. name though. Uh, first name, Mister <laughs> Matthew Whitaker. Matthew Whitaker. Mister Matthew Whitaker. Mister yeah. Matthew Whitaker. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so he is now the acting attorney general, um, and. He has the. He doesn't need to recuse himself, because uh, he. I mean, I'm assuming he wasn't involved with Trump's he, uh, election. I need to see. He wasn't. So, I don't think he was involved with Trump's election. He's been a very close contact of his in the Justice Department since he was elected. Okay. Um, this is very much a case of the president rewarding someone who's been. Close to him, but it's it, that's that's not new for Trump, nor is it new for presidents. Right. No, yeah. So it's not like a. This is fairly normal. It's just not normal during an investigation of the presidency. Right. My my concern. I'm going to put my liberal tinfoil hat on and <laughs> say that now we've opened up the opportunity for uh, the attorney general to read the Mueller report and just say, hey, you know what? The public doesn't need to know about this, and Congress doesn't need to know about this. And then it's just not released. So that's a very, I, I don't think it's a realistic possibility. See, so because it, that, that, that's a major. Yeah, and I don't know if that would happen with an acting attorney general. Yeah. I think they'd probably want someone that would be in the position for, like, well, officially. That's actually why, and again, this comes from, I, oh, before this 
Again, I'm not even going to get into my own political leanings, but it, <laughs> that's why it is nice from a like constitutional and functioning government standpoint that we now have a house that is occupied by a party that is not the current like majority party in our overarching government. Um, because if he tried to pull something like that, the house could try to get that information out through other avenues. They could have Mueller testify publicly, um, which is something they have already said they will do if uh, the president tries to fire him in any capacity. Um, there are things they could do to get that information out anyway, and at least try to hold the president accountable. Which is important because, again, that's one of the risks you have with a single-party government um, is that if there is corrupt crap going on, it is way easier to not hold high-ranking officials accountable uh, when it's all within one party. Whereas when you've got two or more competing parties, um, there are obvious incentives to hold each other accountable, sometimes to a fault. But in, in this case, I think it's going to create a very important fail-safe for this kind of stuff right you know there's been a lot of criticism uh in the past when government's been split between the two parties i remember a couple i think the was it the last congress or the congress before last it was called the the do nothing congress yeah you know because they like they couldn't get work done but Mm -hmm. you know i would you know honestly i think that's a little bit safer than having what you were describing that nightmare of of one party, you know, just being able to exert its its will and possibly, you know, cover things up, you know. Mm-hmm. And that goes, I'd like to reiterate, that goes both ways. That's not just a dig at, you know, the Republican Party. The same thing, you know, could feasibly happen if the mm-hmm. Democrats oh, held does, everything. Yeah, it doesn't matter what the what it's, the context is in this case. If there is a single-party government right. whose sitting executive is actively being investigated for essentially corruption charges it's a it's a it's a bunch of charges but they the 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 top the worst case scenario here is treason um and many of the much more likely case scenarios are obstruction of justice things like massive financial crimes um point is though he's under a very real investigation one which has yet to be refuted in any substantial or reliable way um and if there's a single party in charge and that party takes effort or makes an effort to stop that investigation i mean that is a major conflict of interest that raises major questions about accountability it's uh it's one of those spicy things spicy meme yeah very spicy meme but speaking of spicy memes there's going to be a couple more of those on mm-hmm. the other side of this break so you do want to stick around i'm going to leave you all with a sports update assuming that there is a sports update today. You never, oh, thank goodness there is. <laughs> yeah, got a little bit of sports news for y'all. And after the sports news, maybe maybe some music, maybe an advertisement. Who knows? You'll have to keep listening to hear that and then hear us. We'll be back. It's music. It's half past the top of the hour, and here's your WHIP sports update. Hey, sports fans. I'm Brock Landis, and this is your sports update for Wednesday, November 7th, 2018. Temple football surrendered a loss to an undefeated UCF who improved their winning streak to 21 games dating back to last season. Although Temple fell to 5-4 at the hands of the reigning 2017 American Athletic Conference champions, Anthony Russo threw for 444 yards and four touchdowns 
while Reichwell Armstead returned to the field where he rushed for 142 yards on 27 carries. Although the Major League Baseball free agency sweepstakes have just recently begun, rumors have surfaced that link the Philadelphia Phillies to players such as Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, Patrick Corbin, Craig Kimbrell, and a handful more. According to an interview Angelo Cataldi hosted in April of 2017, John Middleton, principal owner of the Phillies, informed 94 WIP listeners that he is, quote, intent on winning and, quote, we're going to get that trophy back somehow. The Philadelphia Eagles seek to earn their fifth win in a clash with their division rival Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night. On the heels of a 28-14 loss to the Tennessee Titans, the Cowboys are way south of a winning record and the Atlanta Falcons dismantled the NFC East-leading Washington Redskins, leveling the playing field for Philadelphia. The 76ers, now fifth in the Eastern Conference, travel to Bankers Life Fieldhouse to take on the scorching hot Indiana Pacers. Today's weather on Broad Street will be mostly sunny with a high 62 and a low 43. With the ports at half past each hour, this has been Brock Landers reporting for WHIP Radio, Philly's number one college radio station. Welcome back. Hello. Hello. And that is, that's our message from Evan. Hi, yeah. Hello. Um, and that was our third talk break. On to the next show. Hope you all enjoyed it. Yep, that's it. <laughs> what do we have on the docket for Doc Creek number three? One of these days, our one of these days, our um, our week introductions are going to get old, and um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of other. Yeah, but they're never going to stop. Other adjectives. Yep. As, as I get more, as I get more confident, I'll uh, I'll start. Fantastic. I'll start saying some <laughs> stuff. So, uh, all right. What have we? There's just there's just Are so we much. Are still continuing begin. with midterm election stuff? I guess we could. I, I think the one big thing we could get into is what would happen if if Mueller actually was either fired or otherwise his investigation was compromised. <laughs> Sorry, y'all, y'all can't see it because the the radio is a magical place. But Evan was like super duper posed to like say something. I then... yeah, I, I forgot what I was gonna say. My apologies. Classic. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the that's the way it be sometimes. Um, no, but if that if that would happen, that's one of the nice things about having a a Congress essentially now that's not one party. Uh, because the Democrats do control the House now, they have made their intentions clear. Uh, the House is, does have some investigative capacities that it can uh, that it can take up. It can orchestrate investigations. It can call people to testify. Um, and it has said that if Mueller were fired, they would ask him to testify his findings um, anyway on the floor. And that is important given the fact that the current administration does have some massive conflicts of interest. It would be one thing if this investigation was a witch hunt, as our president loves to call it. But in order for it to be a witch hunt, it would have to be baseless. Um, and it's not. People have already been charged with, well, there have already been criminal charges faced, um, or not faced, there Members of his campaign and administration have already faced criminal charges, um, some of which have already led to guilty pleas. Um, and we're not talking like small members of his campaign. We're talking people like Manafort, who was essentially his right-hand man throughout much of not just his campaign, but also in his administration and in his life. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm not thinking of the right guy, but Manafort was very much a close um, associate of his. 
Right. And uh, Manafort and his associate, Robert Gates, yes. both folded. It was Gates first, and then, then Manafort decided to... Uh, Plus uh, Cohen, his, yeah, like his fixer yeah. for the past like 20 years. Oh, yeah. Sorry, not fixer, lawyer. His lawyer, his <laughs> oh, legal... Uh, lawyer mm-hmm. slash fixer. Legal advisor. Legal fixer. Lixer. <laughs> lawyer. Lixer. Yeah. Maybe. We'll work on it. We'll tune in next week. Um, you know, like, no, like, we're, we're, we're laughing and joking around, but I, I really do want to be be clear here this isn't to roast the president the 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 point of this is that this elect this uh it's not election geez this investigation has turned up real results real details that suggest something's up and there may be some criminal activities within this administration and campaign it doesn't have to mean that it involves the president um but it does suggest that we need to see this through to the end um, and especially the amount of time that the president has spent attacking this investigation, trying to delegitimize it. Again, like you can't do that without exposing a massive conflict of interest. And because you're the person who is in charge of the executive function of this country, if you if you put the kibosh on it, if you, if you nix it, if you kill that investigation, I mean, like you're you're killing an investigation into yourself. That's that's a conflict of interest. Yeah. That's an abuse of your authority. Um, and that would potentially pose a constitutional crisis here. Um, now, with the uh, the Democrats controlling the, the House, that also gives them, I think, a little more power when it comes to the investigation, yes. uh, as well as the power to oppose things like tax cuts uh, as well. And they can talk about, I mean, they're not going to, but it, there's a, it's a lot it's a step in the right direction uh, for impeachment were to get that far. Yeah. So, like, it's not yeah. like that we can – you can investigate Trump and find he's guilty, but you got to impeach him. you gotta, mm-hmm. you got to be oh, – have all cooperation. And that's an important detail because, again, there – it's – the concern with having a single-party government is that there are incentives – for them to back the president, even in the situ, even in a situation where an investigation turns up, um, turns up criminal information, um, and like that, like again, is, is how much faith do we have in the Republican Party right now to hold the president accountable? Some people have faith. Um, I have faith in some parts of the Republican Party to do it. I don't have faith in many parts but of the Republican Party. It's, it. it's not guaranteed. Yeah, and at the very least, having Democrats in power, they have lots of incentives to um, to hold him accountable in a situation like this, which, again, is important for the health of our democracy. Yes, and we were talking actually during the break about uh, Ted Cruz, how, they, uh, how um, <clears throat> he had to essentially grovel for Trump's endorsement after Trump had said terrible things about him, terrible things about his wife. Why and Ted? Yeah. Well, that <laughs> thankfully that, that nickname stuck, but the uh maybe thankfully was the wrong word. However, uh and we were just discussing how uh concerning it is to see politicians bend over for a president like that. Yeah, well again it's it's illustrative of the problems with having a a populist leader, with having a populist led government. It's not about policy. It's not about man, like there's not a I shouldn't say there's not a a Republican platform because there is one, but it's not what predicates support for senators and for individual leaders and stuff like that. Right now there's a climate 
I should say, because again, the Republican Party isn't just one thing. There are factions within it and stuff like that. But there's a climate where um, a lot of your support and power within the party is kind of predicated by your support from the president. And because the president, he doesn't really have a platform. He just kind of does whatever he's going to do. This is something that we've run into with him talking about tax cuts that aren't coming, him talking about locking people up and then being like, oh, that rhetoric was just a joke after the fact. Um, him espousing rhetoric kind of just off the rails about like the, the migrant caravan that we were talking about. It's It puts you in a spot where his support is all that matters. And where if you are a politician like Ted Cruz, who was insulted on many personal levels by the president, um, he had to suck it up and grovel anyway if he wanted to receive an endorsement, if he wanted to receive his support. And that's that's a dangerous way for our politics to work. Again, we're, we're roasting the right recently <laughs> because right now the, the, the right wing, the, the right leaning parts of our politics are largely in control. But this wouldn't be healthy in, in any context. Yeah. And um, I think it was at the press conference that I was talking about today as well. Trump also mocked Republican candidates that didn't um, campaign with him before the congressional race that lost. He said, they did very poorly. I'm not sure that I should be happy or sad, but I feel just fine about it. So he's also kind of... He's, he's yeah, building... He, he's building he's against a, everybody he's that's like, not with him. Yeah, well, that's not Democratic yeah. or Republican. He's building support around the basis of support for himself, not yeah. for a platform, not even for a party. And it's just, oh, that's a dangerous, that's a dangerous road to go down. And not to get all Godwinny on you, but that's how really, really nasty populist leaders in the past, people like Mussolini, people like Hitler. Yeah, yeah, like, no, oh, really, though, that's, that is how that happens. Yeah, now we're not going to say Trump is definitely going to be one of those oh, leaders. I, and yeah, I, I think it's very unlikely. I but say, I, I think there's a lot of stuff that'll yeah. happen before mm -hmm. we get there. I think we'd be we, we'd be foolish to say that that doesn't line up with what has happened in the past with leaders like that. Yeah, and that's it. Would be foolish to say that's not how it starts. Because again, it does start this way. It's like again, we've we've not just seen populist leaders and you know extreme you know uh, right wing extremism. That's where. I mean, geez. Um, oh, God, I'm blanking on God, Castro. I don't know why I was blanking on his name. But, like, <laughs> he was a populist leader. And then when he got into power, he didn't really know how to govern an authoritarian <laughs> one-party state. Like, if, if, if the way your government is being run lives and dies with the whims of one person, that's just not a way to have stable governance. And, and especially for a democracy, that's just not, it's not healthy. Yeah. yeah, especially with the uh, just the vast amount of people and diversity we have in the country as well. One like one party, one populist leader. There's a lot of people that aren't white in this country that I mean, I myself am a white person, but I am not as, as scared as some of my friends have told me they are. Oh, yeah. And even and again, I always it's, it's it's important that we talk about this stuff. I also want to be clear that we're not trying to like campaign on issues that aren't personally ours but like i even know if i were transgender right now with the way oh, the supreme court right now yeah with yeah. the like again there are there are people who have identities that aren't just tied to where they've grown up and stuff like that but identities that are tied to like 
actual functions of like brain chemistry and stuff like that. Things that they can't change. It's not a choice. Um, who are in legal trouble depending on which way this country goes. And the fact that some of these things are like in, in danger of being defined out of existence, like that's people stand to get hurt by this stuff. It's not just, uh, oh, you know, I, I vote with my wallet. I want the one that's going to, yeah. you know, less taxes. Like, no, there are, there are people who are concerned that they might not have the same legal protections um, depending on the way this country goes. It's this is a, a lot of folks have a lot of skin in this game. And it, it sucks that our country is has as an environment right now where people don't feel safe. Um, I wish that the hot button issues right now were purely economic. I wish that they kind of were um, the issues that we were looking at when I was when I was growing up, where yeah. it was largely very much like concerns about stuff going on in other countries, which was also very flawed. But like we had something going. Yeah, like there there was a steady idea that like, oh, these things over here are going to get better and people's rights will be expanded. Um, pr uh, progressive ideas aren't a bad thing. That's not a dirty word. Whereas more recently, that's that's changed. Um, yeah. And it, and it stays. I say that as someone who grew up like very like hard, hardcore Republican. Um, just uh, again, very. In the wonder years of Bush 43. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In the way back when, um, although fortunately I was a very, it was one, one of those classic, you know, we're socially liberal, fiscally conservative. It was one of those dynamics. It's the whitest thing I've ever heard. Oh yeah, it's, it's <laughs> extremely. That's because it's 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 hard to even get away with trying to with trying to claim you're you're that way right now, just because, again, all this extreme crap has gotten tied into the the mainstream right wing in this country right now it's yeah it stinks i'm not but happy amidst all this hate we did have some positives from the midterm election yes we had over 100 women hey. um, that were put into congress that's important we, yeah we had a first native american woman yeah yes. first, we have two, two uh, yeah okay two. two first muslim woman um and i think an openly gay and married governor yes yeah so Whoa. a lot of a lot of small strides amidst all this yeah. hate um That's and fantastic. violence we have going on relating back to uh last week when we were talking brian kemp won uh who is the secretary of state was that of georgia not georgia, georgia. Florida. oh it was georgia yep, it's georgia okay, sweet um yeah so that could that be due to the uh, voter suppression? Maybe, maybe not. There's some concern but, uh, that that may end up being a contested election because the margin that he won by was so thin. was within the number of like canceled registrations. Oh yeah, I heard that like this that. morning. Like, that was, was like point something percent. Yeah, so. it was extremely close. So that's why you shouldn't do that crap in the first place. Yeah. Any well, not, not, that's not why you shouldn't do it in the first place. It's morally wrong. <laughs> you shouldn't in the first do it. Place. You shouldn't do it. But. But then when you do... But it hurts you politically. It, yeah, I like will it, say this. It calls the whole thing into question. But anyway, um, yeah, definitely positive points in that there's much more representation in our government from a lot of minority groups right now. Um, it's not a contest. It's not something where you want folks from these um, identities um, and lived experiences just to say, like, oh, we have these people. No, you want stuff like this. And I, I, I'm making this point because a, a lot of folks, I don't think, fully get it. Yeah. These 
people have lived experiences that are unique to these views. And if we don't have their voices in our government, um, we can't govern things effectively for some of these communities. Like we just flat out, like there are things about being um, someone in the gay community or, or just, or just being a woman in any, yeah. That, yeah. in any marginalized community. Yeah. That people who aren't a part of it don't come into contact with. So it's important stuff. We do have to go. That's all the time we got for today. Thank you all for listening to Rational Radio on WHIP. I believe we've got some Al Country up for you next. Ooh, um, with, but even if not. With Nate Weaver? Yeah, with Nate Weaver. Oh, in for a treat. Yeah, definitely with Nate Weaver. So enjoy that. Here's a little bit of Black Keys for you in the meantime. Happy Wednesday, y'all. <laughs>